your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Make sure you follow us, subscribe, you name it, all over the big-time social media platforms. Built in Buffalo on Twitter, at Built in Buffalo underscore. This is the Pandemonium Podcast, and let's waste no time talking Bills football with my good pal, the Buffalo Bills beat man and insider for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. It's Sal Marana. Hey, Sal. I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm well. Before we dive into the Bills, you have great news to share. You have a new puppy. Yes, and he's uh, climbing on my stomach as we speak here. Yeah, we got a gold, a mini golden doodle yesterday. We had a dog that passed away a few months ago, and uh, I needed a best friend again, Mike. So we uh, did some research, and this little guy named Mickey, as in Mantle, is uh, the new member of the family. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, at the end of this, we'll uh, we'll plug something that Sal's been working hard on. Uh, as well. How concerned should Bills fans be about the Jordan Poyer situation? And what do you think is next between the Bills and Poyer? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know that Bills fans should be all that worried about it. He's going to play this year. I mean, there's no way that he's going to walk away and, first of all, get fined, you know, so much money during training camp. That's not going to happen. He still has one year to go on his contract. And if he, you know, doesn't get the contract extension, that he's looking for, then maybe this is the last year he plays for the Bills. And quite honestly, Mike, I mean, he's been a great player. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, he's going to be 32, I think, next year it, when he goes into free agent. I think it's 32. So, you know, you got to think if you're the Bills, you've got a lot of money tied up in some key players. Josh Allen, of course, number one. And, you know, Diggs and other guys are going to be looking for money who are younger. So, you know, if, if Poyer's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, can come back with an offer that, say, is three years at, obviously, a, a higher rate of pay, then maybe the Bills do that. But if he's looking to get one of these massive long-term contract extensions, I just don't know if that's in the best interest of the Bills. So, you know, the fans should be enjoying this year. I think Poyer is definitely going to play. And if he moves on, hey, players move on all the time. Is he, if he goes... Is he hurt more? But I know that the new defense that he could play for is, could be completely different than Buffalo. I get it. Every situation and team, you know, is different. But would would Poyer be more hurt by no Hyde, or would Micah Hyde be hurt by more by no Poyer? Well, I think both. I mean, and Hyde even said that the other day when Benny Camp ended. He goes, you know, I think I've made him a better player, and I think he's made me a better player. They are they are without question. I think the best tandem of safeties that any team has Mm -hmm. in the NFL. So, yeah, they play off each other, and they've had the incredible good fortune of being able to play in the same defense for the same coordinator their entire time in Buffalo. That makes a big difference. So, yeah, they they are integral to the success of that defense. But, again, if Poyer were to move on, the Bills Bills will be able to replace them. Life is going to move on after Jordan Poyer. Maybe they won't be quite as reliable on that back line, but hey, who knows? Maybe they do find a guy who can play just as well. I wouldn't put it out of the out of the past of uh, of Brandon Bean to be able to do that. OTAs, mini camp. What what do you think the goal? You know, the goals were for the Bills. Um, you know, with with these two here, and and do you have any takeaways? 
now, you know, Mike, we and I have talked about this before. This this whole lost season stuff is kind of a bunch of nonsense. I mean, I understand that it, it helps, you know, players learn the playbook, especially the new guys who come in and you get on the field and you get a little bit of feel for who's out there and what's happening, but they're playing touch football. In fact, sometimes they're barely even playing touch football. Sean McDermott has said it numerous occasions, and he probably wants to kick himself when he does because it just feeds into my theory that, you know, he said when the real pads or when the real football starts is when the pads go on in training camp. So he pretty much is admitting that, yeah, this OTA stuff, we, we like it, it's necessary, but it doesn't mean a whole lot. Nobody should be drawing conclusions about what they saw in the, the few opportunities that the media had to see the practices because, really, there, there's nothing to see. As long as nobody gets hurt, OTAs are a success. Okay, H- having said that, was there anybody you saw that just kind of, especially the newcomers, that passed any kind of a look test? You know, even without getting tackled or playing in shorts, or you can still at least see something. You could see maybe a burst of speed. You could see a skill uh, inside a skill set. Uh, people are raving about James Cook. Did you see anybody who jumped off to you as far as the look test is concerned? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is going to be an obvious one, but the first-round pick, Kyrie Lamb, um, you know, he had an opportunity because Trey White wasn't there. So he and Dane Jackson were taking the bulk of the first-team reps. And, you know, that is one thing that we do see because receivers are running real patterns that these guys are, are they're not contacting them, but they are covering the receivers. And I thought Elam, you know, I think he showed pretty well. Again, there's no pass rush going on. There's no, you know, complicated route, uh, route patterns that are being that are being thrown at him. But I thought he looked athletically like he fits for sure. Um, and again, we'll see. We'll see when things get a little more complicated in the summer. But he looked like the real deal. And I think if Trey White doesn't make it back in time for the opener, I think the Bills, at least from what we saw, are probably going to feel relatively comfortable with Dane Jackson and, and Kyrie Elam uh, as the starting cornerbacks. Give me the player on offense, the player on defense. that really need to take the biggest leap forward? Well, I guess on offense, um, look, I I think James Cook, the second-round pick, is going to be pushing for playing time. I mean, they they signed Duke Jackson in the offseason to be their third-down pass-catching back, similar to what Breida was and what T.J. Yeldon was. The problem, however, is that Breida never really forced his way onto the field. Well, Duke Johnson was supposed to be that guy this year, and I don't even think he's going to make the team because Cook, I think, is the real deal. I think Cook is going to be an excellent pass receiver out of the backfield. And, you know, based on what we saw, and again, it's nobody's tackling him, he, I think he's going to push Devin Singletary for early down playing time, you know, being the being the main running back. I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think Singletary starts the season as the primary guy. But I, I could see Cook possibly getting in the mix there. Um, and being more than just a third down pass catching back, so he's a key guy to watch. Um, and then on defense, look, I, I think I think the defensive line they made massive changes up front, and there are several guys that you need to be looking for to take jumps this year. I thought Russo was pretty good last year as the first round pick, um, played a lot of snaps, and I think there's room for improvement, which is exciting. But guys like AJ Finessa, who was the second rounder in twenty. And then Boogie Basham last year, second rounder. Those guys really didn't have an impact last year. And Epinesa especially, he's got to make a move here or else you know, he's in danger of maybe not making the team because they've got so many guys 
that they could choose from. You know, Shaq Lawson is back now. Um, Jordan Phillips is back. So I think some of those edge rushers are going to be very important to watch because they made it clear in the offseason that they were not satisfied with the pass rush they got off the edge. That's why Von Miller's here. So I think those are the key areas to be watching. Tell me around our guest here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Pandemonium Podcast. I'm Mike Lindsley. You can get Sal on Twitter with his great work uh, for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle at Sal Marana. Um, there's a lot of people, fans, media, uh, uh, across the board, the majority are saying Super Bowl or bust, right? Winning the Super Bowl. That's the logical next step. They've knocked on the door. They have a better team now. Everybody that they added, Josh Allen's Josh Allen. On and on it goes. I don't subscribe to that for two reasons. One, it's sports. And two, the AFC is really, really loaded. Where do you land on Super Bowl or bust? Yeah, that's complete malarkey. You're right. I mean, winning the Super Bowl is hard. Very. I mean, I don't care how good your team is. Winning the Super Bowl is really, really hard to do. So, look, the Bills are positioned very well. I, I think, you know, I, don't, I don't know this for sure, they have the best top-to-bottom roster, but they're right up there. I mean, they are good at just about every position. Um, so they are, and they are the front runner. I think they're the front runner in the AFCs. You know what? At the end of last season, after that New England playoff game, we thought they were the front runner for the Super Bowl then, too. And look what happened. So you can't predict anything that could happen in the NFL. It's not going to be bust. If they don't win the Super Bowl, it'll be a bummer. But there's always next year, because I do think this team, you know, if they keep the core of it together, which I think Bean will be able to do, there's no reason to believe this team won't be a contender in the next several years. And at some point, maybe then it's going to happen. How good does it get for Gabe Davis in 2022? Where's the impact most felt? Yeah, I, I hope he I hope he lives up to what he showed in that playoff game because you know his first two years, I think he had 35 catches in both years. And last season, it was really kind of odd to me how they underused him as much as they did for really the first three quarters of the year. Um, you know, they had Emmanuel Sanders there, and he really tailed off at the end. And when he got hurt, Davis finally got his chance. I wanted to see much more of him last season. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, in the playoffs, he was just other otherworldly. So I think he takes a step forward this year. I think his confidence is really soaring now. I mean, I'm not sure that he was fully confident last year, at least until that playoff game. I think now he, he knows he's the number two receiver behind Stefan Diggs. And Josh Allen has clearly made a connection with that kid. So I think he's going to be a key guy for them uh, coming up this season. With Josh Allen and, and his game, um, is there anything that you see that he really like really has to improve on? I mean, are, are we at the point where he's kind of, I'm not going to say the ceiling for sure, but um, I mean, are we at the point where it's kind of like the dude's, the dude's as polished as, as he can get? It's just a matter of going out and performing like Josh Allen in the playoffs and Josh Allen last year and Josh Allen the year before. You know what? Is are are there any missing links here? I don't I don't know specifically that there's a missing link to his game, Mike. I mean he is he has become a terrific quarterback. Now, yeah, there's probably little things that he's always going to be working on. Um, you know, some of it would probably be decision making. Um, no, there were times last year where he forced a few balls. I think he threw his most interceptions of his career last year. So there, you know, there were definitely things he could work on when it comes to reading things and, and making decisions, but look, he, he can make every throw in the book. 
He's got such a great grasp of this offense. He really caught a break with, you know, Ken Dorsey being promoted because not a lot's going to change. Ken Dorsey's no dummy. He knows that Brian Dable's offense was incredibly effective. It fits the personnel with this quarterback and this team so well. So he's not revamping much of anything. They'll change a few things. Terminology staying the same. So Josh can continue to grow in a system that he's already grown so much in. So that's a key part of this. I think if he just keeps going the way he's been going, make in- incremental strides, you know, there, there is going to be a ceiling at some point, but I'm not even sure we're there yet with Josh Allen. The team in the AFC that, that that's the biggest challenger to the Bills is who? Well, there's a, there's several. I mean, look, that AFC West is going to be a, a meat grinder. It really is. You know, I still think the Chiefs, you know, look, the Chiefs are good. People think that, oh, they got rid of Tyreek Hill. They won't be any good. What, are you kidding me? They, that's still a very, very good team. The Chargers, I think, are going to be, you know, a team to watch for sure. Herbert, you know, some people are already touting him as the best AFC quarterback. I'm not sure I agree with that, but, you know, that's where they're going. Um you know, I think Baltimore is going to have a bounce back here. I think they're going to be tough in the North. So there's going to be some tough um, competition for the Bills. When they get to the playoffs, it, it is not going to be a free ride to the Super Bowl, that's for sure. It, it, with with Tremaine Edmonds on, on defense, is, is this kind of the the final you know year to find out exactly who he is? I mean, I, it's so funny because the pendulum swings all, swings all over the place with this guy. Half of it is, oh, you know, he's young, give him time, you know, all that sort of thing. He, he, he can be kind of effective. Then there's other ones where he's just, he gets blown off so many plays. Where are we at with this guy? Is this the, I mean, are we going to know in week four, week six, week eight? Are we going to know anything more, anything less? What, what, what's going on with Tremaine Edmonds? Yeah, I mean, he's playing on your option now, so he's making pretty good money this season. Sure. And it is kind of a make or break year for him in terms of his Buffalo career. You know, I've been saying it really. I mean, I, I gave him a pass in his rookie season because he was incredibly young. But, you know, since then, you just have always expected more from Edmonds. And he's been a good player for the Bills. I, you know, I don't agree that he was a two-time pro bowler. I think that was a little bit far-fetched. I don't think he's been a pro bowler. But he's been a good, reliable player. But when you're the 16th overall pick and you're as great an athlete as he is, that size-speed combination, I've just expected so much more in the way of big plays, game-changing plays. He just doesn't make them. He makes all the plays he's supposed to make, but he never seems to come up with the plays that change the outcome of games the way the great linebackers have always done in the NFL. So that's the step he has to take. And look, if he makes that step this year, then I think the Bills will try like hell to try to re-sign him to a free agent deal because, like you said, he is so young. They can afford to give him big money if it's warranted because he's still so young. He won't be, you know, a bum at the end of that contract. He'll still be a, you know, a pretty viable athlete probably at the end of a long-term contract. So it's a big year for him. Now, either way, he's playing in the NFL next year, whether it's with the Bills or not, and he's going to make big money because if the Bills don't sign him, somebody else will. A couple more for Sal Marana, Rochester Democrat and Chronicle Buffalo Bills insider and beat writer. Um, the signings of Daquan Jones and Tim Settle, I think, for the defensive interior have just been really underrated uh, in the offseason. Uh, they brought back some familiar faces in terms of Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson. Uh, you know, So the DN group, they bring in Von Miller, obviously. Um, the DN group, we mentioned Basham, we mentioned Russo, you got Epinesa. Um, the DNs and the D-line, a lot of guys there, Sal. Uh, 
how do reps get shared? And, and, and Miller being, I think, kind of in the middle of it, you can probably put him on either end, right, and, and let him go. Yeah, I think you could move him wherever you want to. And look, you know, a lot of NFL teams do the same thing that Sean McDermott does. They rotate their linemen. They're, you know, guys like Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt when he's healthy, those guys are going to play 85 to 90% of the snaps. But there's not a whole lot of NFL players, um, defensive linemen who do that. Teams want to keep those guys fresh, and the Bills are a big proponent of that. I think Jerry Hughes led the Bills last year with, like, I think he played 55% of the snaps. And he was number one on the team. So mm. they rotate them in and out. I, I in my roster projection, I think I had them keeping ten. I think they had. I think I had five each: five interior and five edge. And obviously, they won't all be active on game day. There'll be a couple guys inactive. But I think they're going to rotate those guys all the way through. And I think you're right about the D tackles. I mean, Ed Oliver, I think, will really blossom this year for two reasons. I think Settle and Jones on the other side of him are, are both pretty good players, but then Von Miller, the offensive line is going to have to double Von Miller. You would every play and that's got to open things up for Ed Oliver. So I'm looking for a big, big year out of him. He's, you know, he just got his fifth year exercise. I think was it? Yeah. I think he was due this year. So for next year, he's on his fifth year option. So he's going to be playing, you know, for that long-term contract eventually. I think it's going to be a big year for him. Okay. Here's an area that I, I was really excited to ask you uh, about, and that's the slot receiver position with Jamison Crowder in there. Obviously, McKenzie, uh, they go out and get Khalil Shakir. But Crowder's the guy I wanted to focus on here. Is it possible that with his skill set and the offense he's joining, that he could instantly be more productive than Cole Beasley? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question that people have been you know banding about. And I believe, I think Beasley is the better player. I do. I think they're going to miss Beasley. Now, they're going to be able to fill a lot of that. They've got several options. They've got, like, the three guys you mentioned, plus, you know, maybe Tavon Austin, who was a late signing. You know, maybe he makes the makes the team, too. Those guys are all really better suited to play the slot than they are on the outside. So they've got some big decisions to make at that position. I think Crowder, um, you're right, stepping into this offense, he's better off than he was playing with Zach Wilson and whoever else the Jets had the year before. Yeah. So I think he could definitely step up. But I do think they're going to miss Beasley. Beasley was a really reliable player, a guy that Josh Allen had a great connection with. And, you know, one of these guys, whether it's Crowder, McKenzie, whoever it is, they've got to fill that role as the primary slot guy and, and be, you know, Josh Allen's reliable checkdown guy. I, there, there's a lot of guys in there in the mix. So I think someone will step forward, but that's going to be a key area to watch. All right, final thing is uh, a non-Bills-related thing, but there's plenty of you know, Bills fans uh, who cross over and, and are Yankee fans. Um, you are really doing a great job here with this newsletter. Uh, it's it's email-based, right? You can get on Slack. You can do some chatting there. Uh, kind of get into it, how people can get involved, Sal. Yeah, I, I decided, uh, you know, I've always wanted to cover the Yankees, Mike, and just never quite had the opportunity so I figured, hey, I'm watching these games every night. I'd love to write in some forum about, you know, what I'm seeing. It's better than going on Twitter into that cesspool oh, and ranting and raving about the Yankees. I'd rather just do it this way. So I started doing this newsletter, and, yeah, it's it's, it's email-based. I've got it's called Pinstripe People, and I created a Google email group. Um, it's called Pinstripe People. And all people have to do is get me their e email address, whether they can – 
you know, send it to me by a DM uh, at Sal Mayorana on Twitter. They could hit me up on my email uh, to give me their email. However they get their email to me, I'll get them on the list. And I put it out the morning after each series is done. And I'm trying to really give people kind of a one-stop shop for what happened in that series, a bunch of opinions, analysis, statistical stuff, um, a trip back in time. I love history, as you know. So I've been writing about 3,000 words Hmm. on each series. There's a lot of good information. And the people that are in it have really, really liked it. I mean, I've gotten a lot of nice comments. Um, People think it's been invaluable. They're learning a lot. So, yeah, I think it's great for Yankee fans if you want to get involved. Um, just get your email to me, and I'd be happy to put you on the list. And it's a mix, too, right? I mean, there's older fans and new, newer fans, like, you know, older fans, younger fans here? Yeah, oh, I think definitely, especially, you know, a lot of people on Twitter are younger, as yeah. you know. Yeah. And those guys are getting in, and I've got a bunch of older guys, too. I can tell when we're in Slack, you can tell who the older guys are, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're bitching about batting average and all the things that we used to bitch about when we were younger that we haven't quite gotten over yet. So, yeah, it's been a good mix of people. I've got a lot of ladies that are involved. Cool. I've got a lot of those. So, yeah, it's been a good group of people, and I'm just trying to grow it. You know, I I, I was going to do it regardless. Whether I was writing for five people or whatever, I've got like 330 now, I think. Um, whatever the group was going to be, I just wanted to do it because I just felt like, you know, I want to write about the Yankees. I, I have no place to do it, obviously, in my job. So I might as well do it this way. And, and people, I think, have really enjoyed it. I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse going on right now on Twitter than, than, than tweeting during games, tweeting any kind of a possible opinion. It, you don't even have to be, you know, uh, uh, I mean, you're, you're a little different because when you tweet about the Yankees and the Cubs, you, you kind of go down a different road, which is fine. Um, that's just who you are, and people know that, of course. But just a basic opinion. It's like you, you can't even do anything anymore on that app with, you know, during games. So I, I, I knew we were texting about it about a week ago. I, I just have completely stopped tweeting during pretty much all games. Yeah, I have too. Like I said, we started the Slack channel Can't do it. Um, as part of the group, and that's the place where we go and have in-game chats. And it's good because it's just Yankee fans, and it's people watching the game on TV just like I am. And, you know, we just share opinions and you know, swear back and forth or whatever the conversation is. And if you were doing that in Twitter, you'd oh, be getting gosh. it from every corner, right? Everything you say then becomes, or, or, you know, people have to reply and be jerks about it and call you a jerk. There's none of that in our Slack channel. By the way, um, I mean, I'm sure they won't credential me for training camp, but uh, we're trying to plan a family day to go out there even, even so just to – you know, see the bills, and and uh, my wife loves the bills, and we're getting my kid to say bills things. Um, so uh, we're trying to get out there. So hopefully, I can see a training camp this year. So I will uh, be on the sidelines every day. So if you do come, make sure you come, make sure you uh, hook up with me. I will for sure. Sal Marani covers the Buffalo Bills for the Democrat and Chronicle uh, in Rochester. Does an awesome job at Sal Marana on Twitter. Go join up with the uh, with the newsletter there. If you're a Yanks fan as well, and we'll do it again soon, Sal. Appreciate you, bud. All right, Mike. Take care.